Hello, welcome to episode 188 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Adi and Neil. Sorry, we're once again doing this via the wonders of Zoom because the world is mm. in chaos, the world is still in madness. Um, we, we can't go anywhere. Unless your team wins a title, you're allowed to go out in the streets then. Apparently that's the rule based on how things are happening yeah. in Scotland right now. That seems to be the only caveat. Yeah, and from the from all the pictures and the videos that I've seen today, the police didn't seem that interested in trying to disperse them. So <laughs> I don't know if that was like an unwritten rule that the police lives matter slightly more in the middle of a pandemic than Rangers fans. I have no idea, but Aye. at least... They didn't seem interested, at least last night, when they were all standing outside Ibrox, and today when they were there and in the middle of Glasgow, they did not seem interested in splitting anybody up. So I don't know if that changed further down the line, but what I saw at the time, it was definitely a case of, I just let them have it. Just, <laughs> just leave them to it. Because if you try and wade into that, all you do is start a riot, essentially, don't you? <laughs> to be honest, you're mm. not going to do any good. Um, but I look forward to, because of this, there'll probably be at least two more months of lockdown. So... Yay. <laughs> Hurrah! Hurrah. Uh, so it's Sunday night. Are you drinking anything of note? Yeah, sadly not. It's my days off as well, but uh, just you know, same as last week. Last few weeks, I've just been totally just not interested. You know, just yeah, chilling, taking it easy. Understand it. I'm much the same as well. Not not having anything now. And um, we are now in March. Maybe by April, May, when the summer weather comes in, we'll start with a wee drink. Now yeah. we're doing this, but um, after now, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for drinking either. And um, you have teased me off air. Um, or off camera um, mm-hmm. by telling me you have an interesting movie news story. Um, I'll start with mine first. Just out of interest, did you watch any of the Golden Globes? Did you see any of that stuff? No, I yeah. did. What I did know about the Golden Globes was the the viewer figures were pretty much rock bottom. Like, yeah. the, it almost got to the point where it wasn't even worth doing it. Yes, I uh, think that is true. Uh, also, not worth doing it because basically the Golden Globes is one of those shows um, it's held in high esteem some by sort of the network because they're allowed to go to it. Mm. Um, but essentially, they only award people who turn up almost. So, essentially, they're more they, they care more about nominating people who will turn up to receive awards rather than nominating people of they think deserve it. So, there's some very notable mm. missions this year. They also have sort of really weird categories of like sort of drama and musical and comedy. So, music and comedy are lumped together for some reason, and then they put films that maybe you go that's not a com-. like for the one year The Martian was in comedy. Okay. And this year, for example, a film we're going to talk about later on called I Care A Lot, that was in comedy as well. It's not a comedy. It, there's, there's, there's funny moments in it, but it's not a comedy. Yeah, no. No, no. So anyway. I'd, as we know, Barb and Star is a comedy. Barb and Star is a wonderful comedy and you're, you're bad-mouthing up. Knowing that you fell asleep for five minutes during it now makes me now question your rating of it last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... What's your movie news now? Since we don't like every Golden Globes, what's your movie news of interest? Uh, this is a bit of a kind of follow follow up to what we spoke about a few weeks back. Was about uh, Army Hammer, right? Army Hammer has an interesting yes text. So yeah. texting history, yes. Yeah. So it all came out a few weeks ago. You know, when he was apparently into like being a cannibal and stuff like that shit. Yeah. But this week, what happened was he moved house in the middle of the night. Well, sorry, he got people to help him move house in the middle of the night, which is weird in itself, you know? Uh, but what he ended up doing was, and this is the weird part, was he put one of the... There was a mannequin left, like, outside the house in the bin. But the problem is the mannequin was covered in, in kind of, like, bondage rope. So okay. don't know if it's, like, uh, uh, him, like, practising tying up people yeah. or just simply like a car like a model that you have like just in your living room to show people i don't know but yeah it, it's all very odd you know nothing good ever comes of someone moving in the middle of the night you know no, it's true that, that's it's definitely you know the nighttime flat is, is never really a good thing and um, yeah only hammer likes bond i'm not going to question the man on that if he likes it he likes it as long as he's not hurting anyone mm. which in this mm. hopefully he's not because he wasn't about eating people um earlier on this yeah. month or in last yeah. month sorry so hopefully he's not doing that. But if man wants to tie somebody up and the person wants to tie it up, then, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Play, play, play the army. Um, yeah. But, yeah, as long as he's not hurting anyone, I'm not really too well. But it's very odd, the army. Army's went, he's gone through a strange stage right now. At one point, he was a bit of a darling. You know, he's doing a lot of interesting films. And he had, he's got the movie-style looks. He was doing the sort of big blockbusters. He was doing, you know, some romantic comedies. He was sort of being a bit of an everyman, doing a lot of stuff and, and sort of positioned himself. The last, mm. what, six weeks, 
Arnie has um, Arnie, sorry, has um, definitely sort of taken a dive, you know, publicity yeah. wise and sort of PR wise. He needs to sort yeah. of rein it in a little bit just to try and get his image back on track. I think this is maybe what this house move is all about. I feel like this is a, a go away and hide for like six months or whatever. Yes. And then come back out and it'll be all cushy. Yes. I think, yeah, I think that's probably good. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very good um, uh, actor. I like him a lot. Mm. Um, but yes, he needs to sort of chill out a little bit. I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to just sort of rehabilitate his image a little bit, I would say. Mm. No, definitely, man. So, yeah, yeah, that was it. Nothing terribly exciting, just a bit odd that you're moving house in the middle of the night and out of everything that's going on, then now you decide to leave one of your sex mannequins out in the street <laughs> that, with a blue bag, you know? You think if you're going to leave anything, that you know, don't leave that, because that is only going to make a story. At least, even if you don't want it, take it with you and dispose of it. Your yeah. house. Don't leave it. Don't leave it overall. Um, yeah, that, that's a very that's very odd. Um, yeah, so, army. We like you, but you've got to try and shape up a little bit, you know, play the game right. So, just don't hide for six months and it'll be groovy. Yeah, it'll be good. So, this week we've got four movies to, to look at that we watched, um, that we talked about, or we mentioned last year we're going to talk about. So, we will start with the Netflix documentary. Um, it's called Pele, all about the football player Pele, um, directed by Ben Nichols and David Trihorn, who have a wee bit of a Peregrinus, they did the Dan Carter documentary and they did the Ken Douglas documentary and also I think they did the Andy Murray one as well, the one that was on Amazon recently. So they did so done for Clearly have a they have a niche, you know, of doing sports documentaries, mm. usually about people who are not I mean that's not I've seen they do people who are still going, people are still some people are like sort of three years over and so they do like just sort of like doing sports people. So that's the thing. And um, this essentially it's about Pele. But it specifically kind of focuses on his career from when he was sort of his World Cup career from like 50, no, 60, 58. Aye, uh, 58. Yeah, 58. Uh, his last World Cup in 70, 1970. Yeah, mm. 1970. So he's basically he played in four World Cups. This is it's sort of following his career during those four World Cups, um, essentially. Um, and it's, uh, it's, he keeps quite strict to that. So, both of us, I think, we would probably say, call ourselves like maybe passive football fans. We we, we can yes. enjoy the sport, but we're not sort of overly entrenched in it as, as some people are. That that would be a fair point, would it not? Yes. Be, uh... Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like we, I I enjoy my team, um, but I'm I'm not really looking much deeper than that. I know obviously I know Pelly is. I know Pelly's a great player, and I've seen a lot of videos when I was younger, um, but I don't really know much about him other than scored a lot of goals, played in the World Cups, um. And that's kind of about it, really. He doesn't seem that much. There's not really seems much more of a mythos about him, and and for me, that's the problem. This documentary doesn't give me anything else. It just mm. shows you that that he played in four yeah. World Cups, and what played really well in some World Cups, played really badly in one or unlucky one could get hacked down, and and he scored shit tons of goals. There's, there wasn't really much to this documentary. That's it felt like a real kind of just very shallow and not not really much there. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, very much the same, man. I would have preferred that if it kind of just, you know, just kind of opened up a bit more about the actual man himself. Almost like I want to know the man away from the pitch. Like, well, right. like anyone who knows really anything about football knows the name. You know, it's an iconic name. I want to know the guy behind all that, you know? Yeah. That's what I want. That's, that's kind of what I was expecting more of it. And then as time went on, I kind of realised that I, it was all just about his World Cup appearances and all the rest of it. Because kind of, at know? one point, they kind of hint at the idea that he was sort of like, at, this, at the time he's playing, the, time he's playing football, Brazil was going through like inc- insane upheaval. And mm. it's sort of like a fascist government coming into place and they're sort of beating up like, the local like, people and they're sort of like oppressing the, the population, putting them in jail and they're sort of mass riots and they're sort of just all manner of crazy political shit is happening in Brazil. And they try and sort of push the idea that Pele was somehow, if not involved in it, but he was sort of he almost helped it in some way by, you know, being passive, like not doing stuff on it. And there is a, there maybe is a story there to talk about, but they never really sort of delve into it more than just a few, mm. a few moments, which I thought was a shame. That maybe there, maybe there was nothing there, and if, if there's nothing there for that, then don't include it. But find yeah. something else interesting. There are there are interesting points in Pele's career because like. They touch on it at the end. 
after he finishes up in Brazil, he goes to America and becomes one of the first stars in America to try and make football a thing in America, playing for New York Cosmo. Yeah. But the difference that's more interesting to me. Which kind of surprised me as well because I didn't realise the American football, like uh, American soccer league, had been actually going on that long. I thought yeah. it was only like a really recent thing. That but one, the one he played in, did die off, and then they brought it back. Uh, all right, okay, okay, okay. Because I, I know, I like, they made such a big like hullabaloo about um, like Beckham going over there. He yeah. was like one of the first ones to go over there. Which, to be honest, it sounds like the American League is just like a retirement home for like footballers from around the world, you know? I think that's what it is to, big, to, to some degree. I think they're starting now to not be that, but I think for the most part, that's how it really began. Sort of, they all have these like marquee players who come in to try and like sort of boost the game. And Beckham became a, Beckham was a celebrity around the world, so that was the idea of bringing him in to sort of boost the game even further. Um, yeah, yeah. But what would I would say there's some nice stuff about documentary. I thought some of the footage. Looks really great, you know. How, you know, it's, it mm. looked amazing. Much like have you ever seen the Maradona documentary? It was out recently. It's sort of really sort of low pitch side photography that gets mm. this really interesting sort of never seen before look at. It's amazing they actually got access to some of this. Um, but yeah, it was just so shallow. Like just mm. not shallow in a bad in a bad way to an extent. But it was just there was clearly a story there of interest. Maybe maybe or maybe there isn't a story. Maybe the idea was that he was good at football. He played really well at football. People liked yeah. what he did, and that's it. Maybe there, maybe there wasn't enough drama to, to build mm. a story in there. Just other, you know, maybe that is that, that was the problem. But I just I never really I just never really learned anything from this that I might have learned otherwise. Like for example, the Andy Murray one. The thing I got from the Andy Murray documentary was Andy Murray's a really nice guy. Mm. You know, and he, he's a really yeah. charming, funny guy that you don't really get a lot of in the press because of specific reasons. But you got another mm. side to Andy Murray. I didn't get another side to Pele in this. All I got was, you know, no. Pele was a football player. He, he came from poor backgrounds and he's mm. still playing. Or sorry, he, he played yeah. a long time. That was it. And yep. I feel like to, if you're going to do that, you need to give me more of a story. This this seems very much for like only the fans of the man. And even if you're a fan of the man, you probably know all this stuff already. So this, I don't really see what this would achieve in this documentary, unfortunately. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. I did find it quite cheeky at the end how the. Uh, like the president or the prime minister of like uh, Brazil was like holding up the trophy, like yeah. the World Cup trophy with the team and all that. And I'm like, how are these people like? Are these people cheering for the team? I really hope they're not just cheering for you because you're holding up the trophy. I mean, like yeah, that that is a story that could have been interesting. You know, that this politician yeah. sort of tiny self to the you know, to the team. football team and what it could yeah. you know what it could be because. It happens even in this country, you know, there's a massive upsurge in sort of nationalism in this country when, like, say, England do well, for example, like, that sort of gets a massive, like, mm. the, the, the governments always sort of attach themselves to that in some way to try and get um, the sort of the population on the side and then they can, and they can use it. Same in Scotland as well, you know, we can see it as well. Yeah. Scotland's not football teams do well. You all see the politicians trying to sort of latch on and leech on in order to ride that wave of, particularly the SNP, so Scotland gets a World Cup final, or Scotland gets a World Cup, for example. Mm. You can absolutely see the SNP riding that wave of nationalism in order to mm. achieve whatever they want to achieve. You know, and, and that's what, that, that seems like this guy didn't, the Brazilian guy didn't do that, but it did seem he latched on in some way to the Brazilian football team and used them as sort of something towards the state. You know, it made them a, an extension of the state in many ways. Because like the football team they had, they fired the coach and brought an art coach and it was like all about, you know, military sort of dictatorship in terms of training and stuff like that. You know, so it was like sort of, there's a clear feel this was an extension of the government. Um, mm. So th th that's just, that's an interesting story there. But they never really got that. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah it does. It does. So, like I said, a bit bland, a bit dull, to be honest, and didn't really end up learning from you. I would give it a very average 5 out of 10 for yourself. Ooh. Ooh. I was going to give it 6 out of 10. It's not yeah. very bit of the road. Yeah, you know, if you're bored, then you've got like... Just, just under two hours to kill, you know, slap it on. That was it. It was a fucking long. It felt like a lot of time to, to give not a lot of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy have been cut down to like a half hour YouTube episode. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's a, there's a document, like, you know you know, 30 for 30. Some of them cover a lot yes. more interesting stuff in the space of like 35 minutes. This felt like a 35 mm. minute documentary that they've extended into over an hour, over nearly two hours. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, like you said, it could have just been a simple thing of maybe there was just actually nothing there. Maybe oh. the guy just lived a very comfortable, happy life, just turned up, done his job, went home again, you know? Uh, and if he doesn't want to talk about the things that maybe were darker, then you've not, you've, you've not got a story there. 
Yeah, I know, I know. And it, it's, I guess it's always a lot easier to make a documentary when the person's dead because then you can go properly rummaging around. But when the person's alive, you are kind of restricted by what they are actually wanting to talk about. Well, aye, and it, it, there's a sense that you can write, do whatever you want, but if you make, if you only do like a, a piece, piece that sort of delves, in, delves into darker elements of telly, they might all be true, but you may not like to talk about them. Or what yeah. You lost, you, lost an, you lost an interview with him, in which case that might sort of end the documentary there, you know, the idea of doing the documentary at that point. Or maybe, and if he, if he had been dead, for example, and they'd done it, the family might not want to get involved at that point, so at that point you lose all that. You know, you, get, you, need, you need content for it. In many mm. ways, you somebody can't do one of these, like, sort of, you know, sort of more in depth. But yeah, so I, I thought it was a bit of a missed chance, unfortunately. So there is still, a, probably, hopefully, there's still a Pele documentary out there of interest. But maybe, maybe, like you said, you know, I've said as well, maybe it isn't a story there as much as it is, like, mm. say, with Maradona, for example, who has, you know, yeah. crazy alcoholic coke fiend that we all know and love. Um, <laughs> on from that, we move on to an Amazon Prime movie. Um, it's called I Care a Lot. Uh, directed by Jay Blakeson, who directed The Disappearance of Alice Creed and also The Fifth Wave. Um, Disappearance of Alice Creed was, was very good. The Fifth Wave was not. Um, the plot of this film is essentially a woman who... There's a woman who... She essentially finds people who have not got any family or close contacts and essentially gets them declared unfit, gets them put mm. in med- in, in like sort of old-age pensioners' homes, and then essentially starts, then gets all the, the rights to that person signed over to her, and then starts dismantling their life by like sort of selling off all the housing and all the effects and all and all to and all to just take all that money. Um yeah. apparently it's a true thing, it happens in America and it's it's really horrible. Um mm. which she finds what I mean, what do they call it a cherry, you know, the perfect, the perfect mark is you know, she so gets masses of money, but no, no family. family. Yeah, nothing like that stuff. What they don't, don't realise is when they, they do the same thing, they put, her in, they put her in the old folks' home, they get everything signed over, the judge declares her, you know, not fit to look after herself. She gets in the, the woman gets all the, the rights to, to, to sell everything off. And the person they put in this old folks' home is the mother of a very, very nasty mobster, um, a part of the Russian mafia, who then proceeds mm. to try and hunt down the person who's fucking over his mother and take vengeance on her. And yeah. so... In the film, you've got Rosamund Pike. She plays probably one of the most evil characters I've seen in my life. Um, mm. in people's lives. Um, Peter Dinklage plays the Russian mobster. Equally, one of the most horrendous human beings you've ever seen in your life. Um, yeah. You've also got Eliza Gonzalez from Baby Driver. She pops up as the assistant for Rosamund Pike. And Diane Weist, um, she pops up. She is uh, the, the mother of Peter Dinklage. She's the one who's put in the, the, old, the old folks' home and is getting exploited. Um, what do you think of this one? This was good, actually. I quite enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Uh, I would have preferred a different ending. I'm going to keep it kind of spoiler-free, yep. but I would have preferred a more kind of, a more traditional ending, if that makes any sense. The ending felt contrived because you needed to have something because hmm. the characters in this, like the two characters, the two, like so you get Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage, so you get the women who's ripping everybody off and the mobsters. Mm. They are possibly two of the most dis- dislikable and fucking most evil characters I've ever seen on screen. They have yeah. absolutely almost zero redeeming features whatsoever. Yeah. So you're stuck in as well. Like, you don't know who to root for because like you don't want anyone to win. You know, mm. <laughs> it's like like yeah. you want really bad things to happen to Rosamund Pike, but then when she gets involved with the Russian mob, you go like. I don't want him to, like, you know, cut her up, dismember her, and kill her. That just sounds like, you know, you go like, but I, I don't, I want bad things to happen to both of them. So you need yeah. an ending that maybe would satisfy an audience. I think that's where part of the ending comes from, without spoiling what the ending is. And mm. um, but thought, no, outside that, uh, sorry, but no, I was just going to say, I thought this was a really good story, a very interesting story. It shows you how how bad the whole kind of like nursing home like business is how literally they just sit there and just sat all your life savings to keep you alive and look after you but a lot of the time you are just like sitting in a chair for like Aye. hours on end almost being like a prisoner essentially and that's the thing as well the nursing homes are complicit in this they're actually feeding her the information on who they yeah. could you know who they can get if they find other so it's a doctor mm. feeding her and then the nursing home is sort of like 
and you know help her out by like sort of helping the, the her like dope the people up so they so they can't fight back and so they can't be lucid enough to sort of like state their case in court because it's mm. just it's all absolutely horrible. Every single person in this document and in this film, sorry, is truly fucking horrible. And there's like almost yeah. no redeeming character whatsoever. But also it is, it is also very funny at times as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if the judge was in cahoots as well. I wasn't hundred percent sure or if he was just like just oblivious to it all because he was like a low level kind of town court pit yeah, guy, I, uh, judge. I took it more as he's oblivious. He's he's doing what he's been he's doing what the evidence suggests and she presents the evidence all the time mm. in a way that is palpable to him. It makes sense to him. And the, yeah. and the more often that you know, because at one point he says, You've got hundreds of wards under your care, can you handle another one? So in his mm. mind, she's good at her job and helps look at help look after people, but in reality, she's not. Um I thought the director, sorry, I thought the, 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 the two Pike and Dinklage were excellent. I thought they were really good in it. And mm. the scene they share together, you know, is is are both fantastic. Um right director, he does a really um, you know, uh, Jay Blakeson. But mm. it does he makes it really twisty, you know, he doesn't yeah. it, it twists in a way you you you're content with it. And he does almost like genuinely almost make you feel sympathetic towards one of these characters. You know, you come yeah, close, yeah. you come close to actually caring for one of them. Yeah, but, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I did put all my chips in when that was happening. Right. I was like, Yes, on you go. And then I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Not again. But it's so clever you know, to make you actually yeah. care about someone who is so fucking fundamentally evil and horrible. Yeah. Um, but I, like, much like yourself, I thought the twists and turns all worked, but I think the only negative was the finale. I think the, the very finale, was, it felt very contrived. Yeah. Um, and I could have done without that. Um, but I also who, understand the need for conclusion. And Yeah, 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 totally. Conclusion totally. without it would have been probably even less satisfying to an audience. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I did find it was very sloppy mobster work as well. I'm like, why would you not just hang around like ten more minutes and make sure, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you it know, is, you know, so, it's it's cold. They don't they like at home, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. They've got families, you know. They're on the clock. It could be a Wednesday. No one wants to do their job to full extent on a Wednesday, you know. On a Wednesday, you're winding down for the weekend, you know. You've got to yeah. not accept that. What? One thing I did point out even to Stacey at the time, which isn't a spoiler at all, is why in God's name would a driver not notice, if anyone driving a vehicle not notice this single car that had been following you since like the previous night and it's now early morning? I mean, why would you not notice that, that this one car has been following you all the way? I've I mean, often thought that as well. You know, in, in, I, I do understand it's done in other films as well, the idea of like, you know, how do you not know someone's following? But then in reality, I may not know if someone's following me, to be honest, you know, because it's, mm. it's not like something I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll see a car behind me, but I'm not taking, you know, input knows like what car it is, what car it is, you know, what the red number is. So all I know is someone's behind me. It, it's, for all I know, that bit around about someone changing that car, I, I wouldn't know. I, I, yeah. would probably, I, I would probably follow back my house and, and kill it because I wouldn't <laughs> notice it. I, I'm, I'm um, not built to be a, a, a secret agent. Yeah. And it's always, you know, I get it. It's movie world, so there do needs to be a few contrivances. But, you know, the bit when she appeared at the guy's office and then she asked to use the toilet and then the door was conveniently open and you're like, well, people are coming through it and you're like, all right, okay, that's convenient. But, you know, whatever. Movie contrivances. You've got to allow some suspension of disbelief when it comes to a movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But, um, but no, I thought overall it's really it's a really good thriller. Um, it's yeah, definitely for like Amazon. Amazon seems to be kind of lacking. They seem to rely heavily on like older movies. They don't really make a lot of like they don't make a lot of their own content yet. So for this to be an absolute nailing, like absolute hitting it on the head, this is a really good movie. I yeah, I agree. I mean, um, they, they do do a lot more content than you think Amazon compared to like say Apple TV, um, mm. but. They're not quite as prevalent as Netflix, but what I would yeah. say is, I think the Amazon Plus material that they either make themselves or they acquire elsewhere does seem to be a higher quality than Netflix. I think Netflix, yes. is all, yeah, Netflix seems very much the sort of direct to DVD movies, whereas Amazon trying to try to get sort of like film. You could openly see that in a the cinema. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, but if you talk about Netflix film, you go, that's not a film I want to see in the cinema. Yeah, I know, bad yeah. stuff. 
Yeah. So we give it a ten. I'm giving this a solid eight out of ten. As am I. We're on agreement. Yeah, Certainly, I, I very much sure. enjoyed it as well. It was, a, it was a really well done film. Really good. Yeah. I, you know, it's a really good. Like I would say, it's not Friday night viewing. Friday night viewing is more so. I think more silly and fun. To see if you're yeah. like a, like a, if you're looking for something to work, watch after work, like a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, that this is the kind of film I would want to watch. Just this yeah, yeah. It, take, it takes a wee bit of brain power, but not yeah. too much to follow the story. It's all pretty much laid out in front of you. You don't need to be hundred percent in the game, if shall we say? You know, you can drift off for a minute and still know what's going on. And also, as a grown-up film as well, it doesn't feel like it's pandering to like trying to be a young audience. It feels like a film for mm. adults, which is always nice as well. Yeah, yeah. How did you, in fact, here's one point I want to quickly just bring up that I forgot to bring up. How did you feel about, uh, what's her face, uh, Marla uh, Grayson? How, oh, bad as a character name. How did you feel about her uh, vaping on screen? I found it very odd. I don't I know if it's because I've not very, seen it. I've, I've found it, I've, I've said that, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago as well, actually, that if someone vapes on screen, I think that really dates a film. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like I think in twenty years' time, I'll look back and go, "Oh, this seems very." Or ten, even a couple of years' time, I'll look that. Look, that'll. It just. It's, it does strike me as very odd. I, I won't lie. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't have that cool effect that like, cigarettes know. have. Like it's this whole. And then you're puffing out the equivalent of like a chimney. It's Aye. like it just. It doesn't look. It doesn't have that cool image. You know. It doesn't. Can we talk about it last? Was it last we talked about with an? Um, Malcolm and Marnie. Um, yeah, yeah. She's smoking during that. You know, she's smoking yeah. constantly through that film. <laughs> and she does look cool in it. Um, yeah, yeah. It was odd to see someone smoking, but I feel that it's, I, I, it doesn't, I mean, I'm not, if, I'm, if that's, I don't understand why the had her vaping. That's, that's maybe one of my things. No. I'm not offended by it. I think it ruined the film. And I'm thinking, going, it's a weird choice to make. But then I get why she wouldn't smoke. I think the idea that she's supposed, she's, she's addicted to nicotine. Yeah. Because she's doing all the, but she's wanting to try to fit. She's wanting to try to fit. She's always in the gym. Mm. So maybe if she smoked, that was like sort of it's her way of like sort of negating that type thing. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it's so, just very odd. You don't see it a lot. It was, no, you don't see a lot of vaping in movies at all. No, it's, it's very, know? very true. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's very. I think maybe vaping is not really one of those things people are trying to promote quite heavily. You know, so yeah. maybe it's the idea of like you, you don't really want it to be seen on screen. But yeah, it's definitely it definitely was one of the few things I've actually seen it shown on screen, so it was quite odd to see. Um, yeah. 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 It, it, was, it was strange. A good, a good spot by yourself. Um, on to our next movie, which is, I think it came out last year, but it's, it's been on Sky Movies, and that's that's where I found it. And I, I won't talk about it because it's a, it's a film that I found genuinely very interesting and more people should watch. Um, I called... rented this movie today. You rented, did you? I did a whole pen. Oh, sorry, that's a lie. I bought it. At... It's one of those annoying fucking Amazon things again, where you have to buy a movie rather than rent it. You're oh, like, dude. just just let me fucking rent it. What do I need to buy it for? Like, but you yeah. have to know everything next week. You don't have to buy anything or rent anything. It's all available for free. Okay. It's it's not it's not the point. It's the point of like, why do I need to buy a movie? Why can't I have the option to fucking rent the thing? Right. If you're giving me the choice to buy it, a digital copy, give me the fucking choice to rent it. Because by right. God, I'm not going to watch this again after I watch it once. You yeah. know, very very fair point. You know, Amazon should Amazon should make a market of being the rental place. Really shouldn't they? Yeah. They can make money. You know, be be like the new global video. Be like the new blockbuster. Just. Yeah, because like I I do actually part with money for movies. Like I do actually rent. I, if I actually, but we well, if I actually we spoke about this all fair uh, a good few weeks ago now. How I rented Dread from Amazon, and then literally the next week it appeared on uh, Netflix. So it's like I do rent movies. You know, yeah. it's like it does actually. I do actually part with money. So yeah, yeah this was just an odd thing where you have. It's one of those movies where you have to buy it. You don't rent it for some reason but yeah Amazon get your finger out and become the rental place what it cost you to buy it? a tenner tenner see you would have yep. to pay a fiver to rent it wouldn't you? yeah totally I'd even pay I think the most I've paid for a movie to rent has been like uh, seven pounds I think aye but it's just the fact that I now have this movie sitting in my library that I know I'm probably not going to return to yeah. at least not in the next 12 months aye if ever you know? aye because if you're ready for a night watch it and go that was in the same way you would go to like sort of you were rent a blockbuster and rent or even you know you'd rent a film and watch it and that with you. Yeah, no, I'm with you doing yeah. should be more of a rental option. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. The, the film is called Spontaneous, mm. directed by Brian Duffield. Um, it's his debut uh, movie. He was also he was a writer though. 
and uh-huh. another comic we both like called Love and Monsters. Remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. Aye, creeps and across like Mexico. Yeah, that one. Yeah. 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 You yeah. really like that one. He also wrote the film Underwater um, recently, and um, had uh, okay. what's her name? Twilight Girl. I can't remember her name now. And he done the film The Babysitter that was on Netflix. Remember The Babysitter and The Babysitter, the, the sequel. Oh yeah, yeah. He wrote there as well. Yeah. I think you can kind of you can kind of kind of see where that's coming from now. Um, okay. it, this is based on a book, but the plot of it is essentially it's set in high school. The kids are all approaching their final, they're in their final year, approaching the prom, when all of a sudden, one day in class, someone explodes. <laughs> no reason, no reason is given. They just explode. I've been trying to convince Stacy that this is actually a real thing. <laughs> um, and what the film does, it films it follows like sort of one main character as she sort of and through her you see the rest of the class when they realise this is not an isolated incident and it will be something happening to essentially anyone in their high school year for some reason, someone mm. will explode at no notice. And it's how, yeah. do you deal, how do you deal with life when life is literally can be snapped away from you in literally half an instant? Um, mm. And it's the people who are involved in it and it's the parents of the people, of the young kids, you know, how they deal with it as well, how they deal with it in this situation. Um, it's a very dark comedy. Um, mm. But yeah. And the thing is, a really good metaphor, I think, for like the last like year and a bit that yeah. the world's all been going through, you know? Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. Then I you, Catherine Langford, who is in Knives Out and 13 Reasons Why, she's playing the sort of the lead of the film. Uh, Charlie Plummer, who is not related to Christopher Plummer, but he is in All the Money in the World. Um, you also got Playing the Mother, which made me feel really, really old, was Pepper Parable um, mm. from Coyote Ugly. She's uh, the young, upcoming singer in Coyote Ugly, and she's now playing a mother, which is, just makes me feel old. All the old, uh, and Haley Law from Riverdale, she pops up in it as well. Um, so I saw this first, and I was very much pushing you to watch this. I'll say that I really liked it. It's very much like it's, it's sort of John Hughes meets Stephen King. You know, it's a mm. Stephen King premise and set in a John Hughes world. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, it's a bit at heart, it's quite a satisfying teen drama. You get to see the main character go on this journey and goes through the sort of life, love, and heartache that you get in your standard teen drama. Just mm. with this sort of twist of exploding humans um, in it, um, so the dark comedy comes through a lot. So because it is it ultimately it is very funny at times, and, and sort mm. of, and, and they play it for the comedy or the situation of like how do you deal with something like this? Um, but because they play it for comedy, when it does turn like dark emotional, with this that mm. it does really hit home. I think there's a few scenes, particularly with her, when she's sort of like by herself, when it really when she's having real problems with drinking and things like that as a teenager. That it does hit home that she is struggling with this and struggling with, with this idea of life in general, which again, like you talked about, we're all in that situation, you know, trying to just deal with life right now. It's just that we're all in a bit of a weird stasis moment right now, knowing what mm. the fuck to do. And she she's in that world, so it, it hits home with that. Um, what do you think of it? This was a, I've, I enjoyed this movie. Like I said, I did part with £10. So, you know, after, after last week, the I was back in again, parting with more hard-earned cash for a movie, but I'm glad that it's like it paid off this time. Okay. I actually I enjoyed it. Uh, getting closer to the like later half of the the movie, I found it became a bit more heavier, leaning into like the kind of teen drama side yes. of it. Yes, definitely. Uh, because there was like a large chunk in the middle of not really too many people exploding within uh-huh. a year. And then all of a sudden it did ramp back up again, which I was glad about because I thought this was just going to be maybe like one or two people and then it's just going to be like a teen drama. But no, I'm glad it can. Uh, Barry likes dead and... teenagers, apparently. That's where anyone sees many dead yeah. <laughs> You know what? Whoever slows the, the gang of people coming behind us, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it was a good movie. A very interesting take on, you know, a... But if you take out the element of people exploding in that whole entire angle, it's a as a very generic by the numbers teen drama coming of age, going through relate like your first proper relationship and all that, yeah. you know. So, but to add in this twist was actually just it was engaging and very interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, and um, oh, just it was just it was just funny. It was just, yeah, it, like, it was. It's just, generally, she's. She's very funny in the lead role. She, 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 yeah, yeah. she got a real sass to her that, that, that really worked for me that I, that I found really engaging. And I thought both yeah. of them, I thought the 
the two leads, Langford and Plummer, I thought they worked really well together. Um, mm. And the supporting cast had like sort of odd little moments. Like the bit, see the bit that killed me, it was really funny when it's the funeral of the American footballer. And the, base, <laughs> the, the eulogy is just a guy saying bro about 15 times in the space of like two sentences. Which I, which I thought was really, really funny. And I like how the, like, the funerals become like sort of less and less of an event each time because everyone's sort of like just fed up yeah. with this almost. Yeah. Um, and and, and then, it, sorry, I was going to say the bit with the guy picking off like, the family sticker from the back of his car. Oh my God, I, that was heartbreaking. I was like, I wonder if people do that in real life because, you know, like we do see like a lot of people in this country as well who have those kind of like family stick figures, like stickers on the back of their cars. And it does like make me go, did people actually stick them off when they're like, because it's now got to the point where people have their fucking pets and all that yes, on them. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. do you pack the sticker off if like a family member or a pet dies? Is this uh-huh. like something you actually do? You're like, oh. I never thought of that either, but when I saw it on screen, it was such, it was genuinely so fucking heartbreaking. It was a really heartbreaking, personal, simple moment. I'm like, that's what it means. You know, it's just, it's just this, this, and what, it's just this gap now between like the, it was like the yeah. father, the mother, and then a gap, and then the young, the other two kids, because obviously this is the oldest one who's died. It's just like, that was genuinely one of the most heartbreaking things I've seen, I've seen on film for a long time. It's just a simple moment, but it was so, so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, a good funny bit for myself was when, like, uh, it was like the two stoners, they were the two stoners were in the car with the uh, captain, and like one of them explodes, the driver explodes, and then the missus explodes, like, oh. literally two minutes after climbing into the driver's seat. And I was just like, this is just fucking brilliant. <laughs> but it was it's so funny and it's so silly, and it's just, but, it, but it's also so traumatically horrible as well. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, um, you can you can understand why she turned to the drink. I thought she would have turned to the drink quicker, <laughs> to be honest, you know. Yeah. Um what do you think of the fact the mystery wasn't solved? Do you think that did that annoy you or are you happy with you okay with it? Nah, to be honest, I was cool with it. Like I said, there was enough going on, like like that's not that's not what the whole entire movie is about. Yeah. yeah. At least at least not for me. Uh, that just happens to be a calf see a funny bit. That's just like a funny byproduct of the movie, you know. It's oh. just it's an it's another angle to try and spice it up and keep it interesting. Yes, uh, no, I agree. And um, I thought the sort of idea of like living for the day and like sort of the trauma, mm. the, the idea of loss and sort of expected loss, and just adolescence generally, sort of like those themes sort of shone through. It and it's just this X factor of the um, explodingness. Um, mm. Oh, that's what made it. That just sort of made that just set it apart from the, the, the your average teen drama. Um, and yeah, I yeah. I'm, I'm really annoyed it didn't get more of a release because I, I hadn't really heard much about it until yeah. You know, Sky do like a, a, a new premiere every every day of like mm. a new film. Not only one they've made because some of the other stuff they made a bit meh, but this is one yeah. just this is a film that they put out. Oh, yeah, and I was yeah. like, you know what? This is a really good film. It deserves to be seen by more people. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I feel we're just going to end up repeating ourselves quite a lot, at least maybe more this year. I feel we're going to say this a lot, but I feel this movie would have done really well in the cinema, you know? Well enough. It, it, it wouldn't yeah. do 100 million, but it might have done enough to justify no. its release, and it might have been one of those yeah. sort of really kind of nice sleeper hits. Because Catherine Langford's big because of Knives Out, yeah. for the 13 reasons why people are, people are invested in her. So she comes with some part of an audience. So yeah, I think mm. it could have done a lot better cinema than what it would have, you know, what you'd expect. You know, if it, if it made yeah. say 20, 30 million, then that would be a hit for that film. I mm. think totally. I don't, I don't totally. think it costs that much to make. I feel that's I feel this will become like a cat slow burner. This is definitely like a cat a cat culty classic in the teen drama genre. I, I feel like this one's good. It's going to be a long, slow burner, but it will become like an iconic movie of like, like the 2020s, you know? That's what so. I'm thinking. Yeah, in the same way, I think uh, it's, it's not the same level as Booksmart, but it's one of those films that I would definitely say if I was going to watch a teen movie now, I'm going to shy away from some of the older ones now because I've certainly made something yes. a bit more problematic. But Booksmart, Booksmart and this would be one of the films you know what? I would, I would definitely sit and watch yeah. it again, you know, over and over again because I, I really did enjoy them. The, I only have two negative points about right this. Away. and. One of them's a bit random. I don't even know why, but it was when like, all the kids were like running in the school yeah. near the end of the movie, and like they ran up to like what is a fire door, and uh-huh. it didn't even open. And you're like, 
That's a bit dangerous. It was changed <laughs> I mean, shirts. Like, they're, they're supposed to be in school. Change shirts and all that get in, but also movie logic, man. You got you got to keep uh, in school. Movie logic. Uh, and the only thing that I didn't like, which I feel you might agree with, maybe because this dates the movie, is her little speech at the end and how she says about Trump. I was about like. That didn't even need to be there, you know. That's a fair point, yeah. But again, if you're writing it at the time, I suppose Trump was the thing that was there. But yeah, yes, you do go political like that to sub, even just a small reference. But then any film can be any film has a reference in it can feel dated. Yeah, yeah. Even, I know it, it was just very random to have that because, like, literally that little line didn't even need to be in that speech at all. It, I, it didn't add anything to it, you know? I agree, I agree. It's not enough to, to take away from the film for me, but yeah, I agree. It, it, it does, like, again, like, like the vaping thing before, it just slightly dates the film and it, it, it keeps it sort of being like a film that's universal, you know, constant, mm. you know? But yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, does, it does date the film slightly. I would give it seven and a half out of ten, probably yourself. Ooh, I'm giving it a solid eight. Well done. So that's a good ten. Two, two very solid choices. Um, yeah. The last film is one that we are, you've not seen because you refuse to watch, but with good reason, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, it was available on Netflix. Um, it's called Capone, directed by Josh Trank, who did a really good film called Chronicle a few years ago and done a mm. really horrible film called Fantastic Four, the reboot of that very recently, which was uh, atrocious. Yeah. Um, this film follows the life of the notorious gangster Al Capone and his final year of life as he's been let out of jail because he's no longer a men's society because he's basically dying of syphilis and um, neurological syphilis, something it's called. Basically, basically turns his brain to mush, I think, and yeah, leaves him a bit of a wreck of a man. Um, and it's just him, his life in the final year of it as his family around him rallying somewhere and also trying to exploit. And also the FBI are trying to figure out where he had a shit ton of money while he was a, while he was a gangster and said to peel that apart. Um, in the film, you've got Tom Hardy playing Al Capone, Linda Caldelli playing her, his wife, Matt Dillon playing another gangster, and Jack Loudon um, also popped up in it as well. Um, you've not seen it because your missus watched it. She, she's a massive Tom Hardy fan, and she said it was terrible. And yeah, I have to agree, this is fucking atrocious. From start to finish, it was damn near unwatchable. I did not understand 90% of what Tom Hardy said in this film. Uh, he his performance was just utterly bizarre. It need, I, I don't know if it, it might have been his choice to do this, which I think Tom Harris seemed to be the actor who would make these kind of choices. But a director has to rein it in or you know push back on it, change, make it make it palatable to an audience. Giving yeah. them free reign like this just allows fucking madness to happen on set. And it was always impossible to follow what the actual plot story was while watching it because mm-hmm. you had no idea, you literally had no idea what you're saying. Now, Hardy is prone at times to being a bit of a mumbler. You know, he, he's yes. not, not unconfident. This is to the nth degree that I had absolutely no clue what was going on in this film, what he was saying. Um, the setting intrigues, you know, the idea of, like, you know, the post-Capone era, you know, because, mm. you know, Capone, he, he has a figure that still looms large on the, on, on, in that society because he, of who he is, the Al Capone name. But yep. definitely, obviously, waning at this point in time. And as I say, like, there's, there's a power vacuum opened up there. Who's going to fill it next? You know, who's going to take that take, take place? And also as a money issue, and also the legacy of who Al Capone was, does not touch on any of that properly. Doesn't give a shit about it, um, because the execution of really badly made film just drowns it out. Um, some of the acting, not just from Tom Hardy, is genuinely soap opera awful. The fact this film even, you know, with the talent involved in it is so bad, it's truly astounding. Mm. And my only hope is, because I've heard nothing but bad reports about Josh Trank, you know, because I, I really like the film Chronicle, but by all mm. accounts, Fantastic Four went down the shitter because of him being an absolute twat. He was, mm. he was supposed to be on a Star Wars film at one point, and that get, basically got shit-canned because of how much of a twat he was. Um, and I think from what I'm now gathering from other reports, Josh Trank is a dick, um, mm. and I hope this is the last we hear of Josh Trank as a writer-director uh, on films, because this truly is one of the most awful films I've watched in recent times. And, and as we all know, you are a man who will comfortably sit through a one-star movie, so you're not you are not ad- adverse to sitting through bad movies. No. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah. We know it with Tom Hardy. Like we do see it in a couple of movies. Like even when he appears in Peaky Blinders for a couple of episodes, he kind of half mumbles his way through that. But you get, there's enough there to pick out what he's talking about and he's not yeah. in it. He's in it enough to drive the story forward, but not enough to derail it with his yeah. mumbling. But this is, I think this is a case of he didn't want to interrupt the actor. So the actor just get free reign to do uh-huh. whatever he wanted because because uh, at the time of when this was getting made, like Tom Hardy was red hot, you know, uh-huh. like he was in a lot of things, and he, you know he was even getting touted as being the, like the next James Bond along yeah. with like almost everyone in Britain at this point. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've even been nominated myself, you know. It's like that. Not, so not he, enough bald Bonds. That's what, what the world needs. <laughs> turn it on its head a bit. Is he the villain or is he James Bond? Nobody knows he's bald. Who knows? <laughs> now, that would be a premise. That'd be a good premise. You know, Get, bald Bond. You know. But you're right with, with Hardy. He, yeah. like, he is, in this film, the director is giving him no, either A, no feedback, or B, mm. is, is not strong enough to, to craft performance because there's two, I've heard two lines of thought in terms of what the director mm. does. Now, I think it was William Friedkin says he doesn't, or John Carpenter, maybe John Carpenter as well, William Friedkin or John Carpenter, one or two, I think, and even both have said this is when they hire someone to do the job, they don't then tell them how to do the job on set because you yeah, hire yeah. them for a reason, you trust what they, their, their worker can do and you, and you want them to do their, do their job because you know they you brought them in for a purpose to do that job mm. and you let them almost have free reign. That requires obviously very good casting, you know, to know you're picking the right person for the job. The other train of thought is obviously a sort of the more Stanley Kubrick style, which is sort of like, you know, you pick an actor, get them to do the job, but you are constantly tweaking it and sort of pushing them to, to get the performance that you want, that you need, that you desire. You know, and if that takes 200 takes of what you want and you'll change it, you might give them line readings, you know, as much as actors hate that, and all they mm. get what you want. Sometimes you can do one, you know, sometimes both can work. Other times maybe something around the middle is something you kind of want. Hardy strikes me as an actor who requires the the hand of someone to sort of guide him in performance. Mm. And when he is given free reign, for example, in this and in Venom, I think he just goes too far off the chain that it's just yeah. it's not it's it's just it's it's sort of it it, it doesn't fit with the tone of the film, and you're then mm. trying to craft a film round an insane performance. And if you don't craft it round that, then the the rest of the film suffers tonally because it all feels out of whack with the lead actor's performance, if that makes sense. This yep. is not that case. This is not a case. I think this film is just badly made. I think the director was weak when it came to talking to Tom Harvey and getting that performance out of it. But the rest of the actors as well also don't really give anything of interest through the film, which makes me think it was a poor director who's mm. after this. And maybe, again, the story wasn't there enough to actually to do anything of interest. Yeah, um, yeah. Because on paper, it sounds like you know, Tom Harvey is a, is a well-liked actor. Mm. He's done the gangster movie stuff before. You know, Al Capone's one of those roles where every kind of buddy, any white male wants to play Al Capone for some reason. You know, it's either Al Capone or Batman, you play one of the two, because that's what you that's what he, he should be doing. Mm. It had him in it, it had Matt Dillon in it, it had uh, Linda Caledonia in it, she and had Jack Loud in it. It's, it's a very solid, good cast. Talking about a sort of archetype of, of American folklore almost, you know, so yeah, everything, everything was there for, for it to be an interesting story. And it just was not. It was just truly fucking awful. Like, just, mm. I struggled to get through it. I really did. Just absolutely struggled to, to even survive it. And I say survive in a genuine sense. I struggled to survive it. Yeah. As you were standing there with the razor blades against your wrist, like, well, see, just one. It's not, this is the thing. You talk to I can watch a one star film, like a one out of 10. I can watch a bad film that is bad because, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, this just felt lazy bad, you know, like bad. that's what's it's more to have that amount of talent and that because it's not it doesn't look a bad film, it looks at times well made, it looks yeah, you know, it's good production value, everything looks like it should be a movie. And mm. to then put this tub on the table, it's just sort of like what the fuck? You know, like I said, I'm very much hoping that Josh Trank does not come back in any sort of meaningful way in terms of the film because I think he's now mm. had two absolute fucking disaster movies, you know, sort of um, release. I think his 
if he, if he was a woman in Hollywood making these two films, she would never be heard from again. So I'm really hoping Josh Trank calls that and didn't, is not heard from again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So it's, it's a shame, you know. I guess not everyone's cut out to be a director right enough, but you know, I guess that's just game, the game and that you need a. The more I've seen them, the more I realised Chronicle might have been a one-off. You know, yeah, you know Chronicle yeah. was very good, but I think I just feel like he, he hit gold with that at the right, at the right moment, he hit the right zeitgeist moment. When he's been given yeah. anything else to do, he's just not done it well, and yeah, just just a bad film. So I would give it two out of ten. Ooh, Ooh. Linda, Ooh. Linda Caldellini, she gets my, my two marks because I think she is lovely and I like her a lot. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, she has two marks. Um, but that's all for this week. Next week, we have on Amazon Prime, we have the sequel to Coming to America, which is called mm. Coming to America. So um, that's not going to get confusing at any point. Uh, but that's on Amazon Prime. There's this, um, Eddie Murphy is back, and there's everyone else pretty much back for that sequel. So look out for that one. So that's Coming to America. And um, also on Amazon Prime, we have Escape from Pretoria. Which is all about um, a prisoner. Um, I think it's in the same prison that Nelson Mandela was held, um, trying to escape that prison. Um, it's got Daniel Radcliffe playing the prisoner, um, set during the sort of apartheid times. Again, looks very interesting. It's on Amazon Prime as well. And out on the 12th of November, 12th of November, 12th of March, sorry, which is this Friday, there's a film on Apple Plus called Cherry. Uh, it's the first film from the Russell Brothers who directed Avengers Endgame and um, it's their first film since that starring Tom Holland as well so you've got Cherry on Apple Plus Escape from Pretoria and Coming to America on Amazon Prime and um, everyone to find us all the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie Facebook, Twitter, Instagram that's great this week I've been Richard you've been Barry you've been listening to 